The Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show, episode number 43. Welcome to the show where we help you make smart nutrition simple so that you can fuel your best with less. Less time, less money, and less stress. I'm Ben Brown, co-founder and CEO of BSL Nutrition, and I'm excited to have you join me on this journey. Each week, I'll be sharing expert advice from leaders in the field of nutrition, fitness, lifestyle, and supplementation who actually practice what they preach and are also on a mission to positively impact as many people as possible in a meaningful way. Today's episode is brought to you by my nutrition company, BSL Nutrition, and our all-in-one training drink called Complete Essentials. When you use the Complete Essentials, you'll no longer need pre, during, and post-workout supplements. You can save time, money, and energy, and get all the beneficial nutrients you need in one delicious, easy-to-mix drink. Make sure you guys stay tuned after the show where I'll share a nice little discount for all of our listeners on your first product purchase. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to episode number 43 of the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show. I am your host, Ben Brown, co-founder and CEO of bslnutrition.com, where we make smart nutrition simple. Today on the show, we have Karina Inkster. Karina is your go-to, no BS, vegan fitness coach, author, and speaker. She's vegan since 2003 and vegetarian since 1998, and Karina provides a friendly kick in the butt that inspires and motivates you to live your best, healthiest, most plant-strong life. Karina's online training programs offer vegan fitness and nutrition coaching to clients around the world. She's the author of two books, Vegan Vitality, Your Complete Guide to Healthy, Active, Plant-Based Lifestyle, and Foam Rolling, 50 Exercises for Massage, Injury Prevention, and Core Strength. She's a writer for several magazines. And she holds a master's degree in gerontology, specializing in health and aging. And when she's not working with her clients, writing or weightlifting, you'll find Karina playing accordion, piano, Australian didgeridoo, hanging out with her two cats, or sneaking spinach into her husband's smoothies. Nice. Without further ado, let's jump in. Karina, welcome to the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. I'm super excited to have you on the show. For those of our listeners that aren't familiar with you and your work, maybe you could just give us a little bit of background about who you are and what you do. Sure. Well, I'm a vegan health and fitness coach. So I work with people who are already plant-based or who want to go in that direction. Um, I've written two books. I write for a few magazines and I'm basically a friendly kick in the butt for my clients to get super strong and show the world what plant-based athleticism is all about. Uh, I feel like I should mention, because we're talking about nutrition, I'm a certified fitness coach, and I also have a master's degree in gerontology, so focusing on health and aging. Mm -hmm. But I'm not a registered dietitian or nutritionist, so my approach to nutrition might be a bit different. I work with my clients to make sure that their nutrition is fueling their fitness and their physique goals properly, but I'm not prescribing diets. I'm not creating meal plans. I'm focusing on habit-based nutrition coaching so that people can practically incorporate healthy eating into their lives for the rest of their lives. So that's kind of my overall nutrition approach. It's very fitness focused, like viewing food as an athlete would as fuel. I mean, I think everyone's an athlete to a degree. Um, and as much as they think they are, they can be, but, uh, but certainly having people with the mentality of viewing food as fuel is, is an important mentality to have. So, so let me ask, so you're, you're a vegan coach. Um, now maybe you could help us understand what it takes to be a, in your opinion, a good vegan, because 
I've known a lot of people who have gone vegan or are vegan, but their diet, frankly, is crap. And so you being a nutrition coach, right, uh, and you being an athlete and, and a coach to other athletes, my assumption is that you are helping people fuel with high-quality foods. And so I'd love your opinion on the difference between being, you know, for lack of a better term, a good vegan versus um, a, a vegan that eats junk. <laughs> <laughs> well, a vegan that eats junk is a legit thing. I see a lot of uh, oh, yeah. self-proclaimed junk food vegans. Um, so it, I don't, I don't really see it as a good or bad thing, of course, but, um, I feel like it kind of depends on the reasoning someone wants to go vegan in the first place. If it's all about ethics and, uh, preventing animal abuse and just not supporting animal agriculture, you can eat Oreos and French fries and call mm. yourself a vegan, right? If you're someone who is active, any semblance of being an athlete, someone who wants to maximize health, then yeah, there are, there are more steps to this. Um, I have a four-step approach to leveling up your nutrition, which we could talk about, but it's basically making sure that your food is mostly whole foods mm -hmm. in normal form, not processed, making your own food. It's similar to any other type of diet, really. It doesn't have to be complicated. So good. So regardless of what the reason is, the fact that people are eating whole foods, right, is imperative because we have to get not only our macronutrients, which we talk about a lot, but what people don't, what we don't talk about is we don't talk about our micronutrients. We don't talk about all those vitamins and minerals that most people are missing out on to some degree. And this is, this is vegan, vegetarian, omnivore, whatever. Doesn't, doesn't really matter. I think, I think that one of the uh, most important principles that we can take from a vegan diet is learning how to incorporate more nutritionally dense food into our diet. And that was part of the reason why I really wanted to have you on the show um, is to help us get a better understanding of how we can do that. Because I'll tell you that um, in my world and, and a lot of, of athletes uh, um, that I've worked with is oftentimes when we look at building out our plate, for example, usually we start with an animal protein source. And, and it's oftentimes building meals around that animal protein source. And it's something that I noticed I was doing with both with my family and myself and some athletes. And, and I've started to try and make that shift right into, okay, what if we just start with the veggies and then we can build the proteins and, and if we're going to have starchy grains and stuff like that around that and who better to speak to about that than someone that's, you know, vegan, that's likely doing that, hopefully doing that already. For sure. Yeah. And so what you just said about how many nutritionally dense foods can we cram into our diet? That is 100% my approach. So that's kind of the mindset um, part of it. There's also a practical part of it about, okay, well, that's all well and good. What does that mean for my breakfast? And what do I eat for lunch? <laughs> totally. But the, the mindset part of it is trying to have a mindset of abundance, which is, hey, what are some cool new foods that happen to be plant-based that I've never tried before that I can put into my diet? How many veggies can I pile onto my plate? Mm -hmm. As opposed to, a mindset of deprivation or avoidance, which is, oh man, I can't have dairy anymore. I can't have cheese. I have to cut out meat. I have to cut out fish where it's all about what you can't have. Yep. Um, so thinking about it as a kind of mindset approach, uh, I have a list of 350 grocery items you can buy that are all vegan. 
on my website, for example. I mean, who's going to go to the store and buy 350 items? No one. <laughs> I you, hope not. Yeah, I know. It gives you a starting point for how many foods there actually are out there. I haven't even eaten all those foods on that list, and I've been vegan for 15 years. So that's kind of a mindset shift. It's, sure. it's not about cutting stuff out and replacing it. It's about, hey, how much of this plant-based food can I eat? And it's automatically going to crowd out the stuff that you don't want to eat. Anymore. Yes. Yeah. I, I think that's a great philosophy. It's like, let's just start to add more, add more plant-based food and ramp up nutrition. And again, like you exactly, like you said, it'll crowd out some of the other things that, you know, may not be serving us as well. Mm-hmm. Especially, especially I think we can agree on a lot of the processed refined carbohydrates and stuff like that for sure, um, to say nothing of the animal proteins and everything like that. I'm curious, though, what, what was your incentive to start to become, like you said, vegetarian and then go full vegan? Yeah, that's a good question. I started when I was only 11 by being vegetarian, and that was entirely for ethical reasons. That was my only reason back then. So, I mean, really, when it comes down to it, we don't need animal products for optimal health really the best justification that we have for eating animals is that they taste good, or at least we think they do. Mm. So if, if we can agree that animals have any moral value at all, which I think we can, then eating them is pretty much the definition of unnecessary suffering and death. So that's basically why I went vegetarian, but it took me five years to figure out that the meat, dairy, and egg industries are all one and the same. You're supporting them all, even if you're vegetarian, So I immediately went vegan once I figured that out. And since then, which was 15 years ago, there have been other points that have come into the picture, including athletic performance. You've probably heard in in recent weeks even of high level pro athletes going vegan because they enhance their performance by doing it. So, I mean, that's a a whole other um, motivator to go totally plant-based just from a pure sports performance perspective, right? Um, and then there's other things like the environment, uh, climate change, animal agriculture actually generates more greenhouse gas than all forms of transportation combined, which is just a mind blowing fact to me. So I don't want to support that. Right. So it started off as a pure ethics decision and it's become this huge cloud of other really awesome reasons to live the lifestyle. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I, I, I can agree that the treatment of animals and the way that a lot of the meat that we eat um, is, is processed and the way these animals are treated is, is not right at all. And so, you know, one thing that I've been talking to some people about is, and that I've been trying to practice myself is just getting more in line with, you know, how the animals are raised, how they're treated. Right. And, you know, we've talked plenty about grass fed free range, humanely treated animals and all of that kind of stuff. So we're not going to go down that road, but I certainly respect um, your opinion there. So, so that's interesting where you come from. And now you've, you've worked to help clients and athletes start to implement that. And so what are some of the first steps that you take? I mean, what do you see a lot with when clients first start up with you? What are the kind of the trends that exist, whether they're currently vegan or vegetarian or they wanting to make the transition what does that typically look like yeah there's there's a bunch of things that seem to come up a lot i think intuitively most of us know what we need to do we need to we we know that eating oatmeal for breakfast is going to be better than eating pop tarts for breakfast on a regular basis right totally um so there's this kind of inherent knowledge that i think we all have but the 
junk food vegan is, as I mentioned before, totally mm. a thing. Totally. And, and, and that's, that's not just within the vegan world. I mean, it just happens to be someone who's vegan who also eats crap all the time. Right. Um, the, the same thing goes for any other type of diet. It's just a bit strange to some people thinking about a vegan who generally thinks about their health more. It's a bit mm. of a stereotype, I guess. Um, so there's, there's that kind of side of things of people who really need to get down to the basics and learn how to cook and learn how to meal prep and learn how to grocery shop. It's just like the hands-on, this is how you eat healthy food. Yeah. And then there's the other side of things, which is generally more people who are already athletes, already training at a high level, where we're just tweaking what they're already doing. So we're trying to match their nutrition to their sport and their physique goals. And it sounds totally stereotypical, but nine times out of 10, it, because mostly I work with strength athletes, these people are not getting enough protein. And it sounds so stereotypical, like, oh, you're vegan, you're not getting enough protein. Uh, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying you need to do it in the right way. And a lot of people aren't getting enough. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. So how are they not getting enough protein, just total protein? Or are you looking specifically into like their essential amino acid intake and, and the types of foods that they're getting? I'd love to hear more about how you determine what their protein needs should be and then how you fuel them based on a, a vegan or vegetarian diet. Yeah, totally. So there's this idea out there that if you eat enough calories for your specific goals, you're going to get enough protein. And that is true if you sit on your butt and don't train. Yeah. So this idea about the you know, recommended level of protein is for sedentary people. So that's one side of the coin. The other side is active people. And I mostly work with people who are strength training. So most, yeah. of, my, most of my clients are lifting weights as their main activity. So the issue of essential amino acids is important because vegans actually need 16% more protein than someone who's not vegan to fill in those essential amino acid mm -hmm. gaps. So we're not looking at specific ones. We're just kind of looking at getting a large variety of food, which is important. Just make sure you're not eating the same thing over and over again and hitting a certain protein goal. Now that's going to be different for everybody based on their body types, based on what they're training for, that kind of thing. But for vegan strength athletes specifically, there's a range of protein needs. So it's between 1.8 and 2.1 grams of protein per kilo of body weight per day. Yeah. And that means different things to different people, right? If people are working on losing body weight, for example, that'll be different. Um, if someone is a competitive power lifter, they're going to be on the high end. If someone's a weekend warrior, they're going to be on the low end. But it's just kind of, um, it can be confusing because there's no one answer. No, but I, I'm, I'm actually surprised to hear you say that such a high number. I mean, my intuitively, I would have thought that I know that's what you need as a strength athlete. And I know that's certainly what you need in order to, you know, stimulate muscle protein synthesis in, and, and, you know, mTOR and, and all that kind of stuff. But, um, but again, is the, like you said, the stereotype is that, uh, vegans don't get enough protein. And so, getting close to what, you know, what would be close to about a gram per pound of body weight for, for a lot of people. Well, I'm interested to hear how you make that happen and how you split it up throughout the day or around those workouts. So what does that look like? Yeah, it's different for everybody. I mean, there's no, as always, the answer is always, it depends. Totally. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's a little different, um, there's a few different things to keep in mind when you're totally plant-based when it comes to protein, because all of our high protein foods automatically come packaged with carbs and fats. So mm. we're thinking tofu, tempeh, seitan, beans, lentils, you know, yeah. all of those really awesome nuts and seeds, all those really awesome protein sources are either also high in carbs or also high in fat. Yeah. So my general approach for my clients is if you focus on just hitting your protein goal, whatever that may be, that's dependent on your body weight and all those other factors, the other macros generally take care of themselves. So start early in the day. You don't want to get through half your day and realize you still have all of your protein to hit. Mm -hmm. um, start early, see how you can level up the protein in your breakfast and in your post-workout smoothie. I'm not huge on supplements. I think they are a plan B insurance policy, yeah. but they can be super useful, especially for vegans because a protein powder, for example, is just protein and you're not getting the carbs and the fats. Now, if you're getting all of your protein just from protein shakes, that's a problem. But if you're supplementing, which is what a supplement is supposed to be, then I don't really see anything wrong with that. In order to hit those protein goals, what would you typically see for an athlete? Would you see three square meals, four square meals, and a, a plant-based protein shake? Kind of um, how would you structure that in general? Yeah, well, again, it totally depends. You can do it in three meals, but I find it easier to do in smaller chunks throughout the mm -hmm. day. Uh, that's my personal preference as well, but I basically just stuff my face 24 seven. So that's probably different. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's basically breaking down that total protein. So let's say it's a hundred grams, right? A lot of people on around 2000 calories a day, which seems to be pretty standard, um, will need about a hundred grams of protein a day ish. That's a little bit on the lower level, Yeah, but that's, one serving of seitan, which is like the um, wheat meat it's called. It sounds kind of weird, but it's super high in protein. You can get about 40 grams in one serving. And gotcha. a to tofu scramble for breakfast, maybe a protein shake after your workout, and that's almost it already. Yeah. Yeah, so not, so hard to, not so hard to hit uh, no. 100 grams of protein. No, it just takes a little bit of focus and making sure that your, your carbs and your fats are being taken care of as well. And so you said you don't really focus on the essential amino acids. Do you, have you found any value or gone out of your way to um, focus specifically on like the branch chain amino acids in and around workouts? I know there's some vegan sources of branch chains. Um, you use those? I don't personally. Um, I'm friends with a couple really badass vegans who happen to be international level competing strength athletes and also PhDs in really awesome things like biochem and um, things like that. So there's some research coming out from them and from their peers that BCAAs may not actually help as much as we thought they did. So um, I don't really look at amino acids on their own on an individual basis. Maybe someone who is more in-depth, like a registered dietitian or a sports dietitian might. We're yeah. kind of looking at an overall intake with the assumption that our protein is coming from varied sources throughout the week. Sure. Yeah, that's definitely getting down to the minutia, and I'm, I'm mm. sure you're focusing mostly on those big needle movers. But I had to ask just simply because you're working with a lot of athletes, and I don't know how competitive they are or not, but simply from a, 
a muscle maintenance standpoint. And, you know, I'm interested actually from a gerontology standpoint. So from what you've studied of the aging process, I mean, we also understand that people's protein um, needs increase as we get older, um, especially sedentary people because of sarcopenia and, mm-hmm. and um, digestive issues and all of these things. So I was just curious about, you know, your opinion of, of that. Yeah, totally. So I think mostly it comes down to what you just mentioned, sarcopenia, which is a normal and natural muscle loss with age which can be prevented, of course, with strength training. Well, maybe not prevented, but it can be definitely slowed. So it really comes down to maintaining the strength training and making sure that's fueled Mm -hmm. as opposed to some magical formula that's age-based. Totally. Um, So I I don't really change these. Actually, I think it's because there's not enough research yet, honestly, on protein needs and how those change with age. Mm Uh, vegan protein needs, longitudinal studies of people who are aging and strength training and vegan. I mean, that basically doesn't exist. (laughs) Yeah, there's not going to be any research on that. Yeah, yeah. So I don't really change those a lot based on age. It's mostly about what your activity is and supporting that with your food. Cool, cool. So I imagine that, I'm going to shift gears a little bit, and I imagine that a lot of people that are taking on the lifestyle of eating more plant-based, start to encounter some issues with food prep, things just not necessarily being more difficult, but just not being accustomed to what it takes to do it successfully. So what sort of guidance or shortcuts, if you will, would you suggest would be valuable for someone that's going down that road? Well, some of these suggestions apply whether you're plant-based or not like a food prep day, for example. Mm. Now, I don't mean a whole day that you spend entirely prepping food for eight hours. We mean being a step ahead of yourself so that on a Sunday, for example, you're thinking ahead for the week, you're prepping some snacks, you are thinking about what your next two or three dinners are going to look like. I mean, that kind of food prep, first of all, doesn't matter if you're vegan or not. I think it helps for busy people either way. Um, And second, it's not necessary. So, I mean, there are lots of people who love cooking. They like to make their food every night. But if you're someone who wants to minimize time in the kitchen and have stuff ready, it can help. So just basically that idea of the food prep day, which is very common in the whole fitness and health world. Mm -hmm. Getting into more examples, I will take this a step further and prep smoothies and snacks in advance. So I make a month's worth of smoothies all at once and keep them in the freezer because they have like nine different things in there. I'm not yeah. going to pull out nine different ingredients every time I want a smoothie because I'm that lazy in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> so I put them all together, a lot of them, like, you know, 20 to 30 at once in little containers or bags. Give me, give me an example of what one of those looks like. Like the ingredients in there? Yeah, yeah. So I'm just trying to wrap my head around it. I think it's an amazing idea. So you'll take all your fruits and vegetables and nuts and seeds and 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 throw it in a container and throw it in the freezer? Totally. Yeah. So I basically add everything except for the plant-based milk. I use soy milk because it's higher in protein Mm -hmm. and also because I'm deathly allergic to tree nuts, so I can't have almond milk, but it's a whole bunch of different types of berries, uh, ground flax seeds, hemp hearts, and chia seeds for the fats and the protein. Um, We've got flax oil, which is really high in your omega-3s. I put oats in my smoothie. I actually have a 
giant smoothie right here. Nice. <laughs> Not that you can see it on a podcast. Right. But you we'll can. take your word for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then I'll add uh, random things, you know, based on what's available. Spinach, if I want some greens in there. Protein powder, if I want to spike the protein nice. more. And uh, I have all those little bags in my freezer. So all I have to do is pull out one of those and blend it with the non-dairy milk and I'm good to go. It's a great idea. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. Um, and so... What are, so in addition to the smoothies, what would be like, what are some of your kind of quick fix, like breakfast meals that people can, you know, whip up, uh, you know, before the gym or before work or something like that, that doesn't take too much time or effort. I've really been into overnight oats myself. Love overnight oats. Which is so easy. One of my clients is in that first stage where she's still figuring out how to cook and how to follow recipes and just like, you know, step one. Um, all she's been seeing of overnight oats is these recipes that have like 18 ingredients. Oh, they're like so extravagant. Oh man. Yeah. And she was feeling so overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, and I, don't, totally. I don't blame her. Yeah. So I uh, recently made a little video for her proving that it takes less than 30 seconds to put it together. It actually took me 22 seconds, including walking to the fridge. I feel like I saw that video. <laughs> piece of cake. Yeah, totally. So that's always a good option. And then you can spike it with stuff, you know, like your nuts and your, Protein yeah. sources like your seeds, that flax, hemp, and chia seed mix. I keep mm -hmm. that pre-mixed in the freezer so I can take it out and dump it on stuff like oatmeal. Um, yeah. yeah. Anything that you can do to be a step ahead of yourself is what I'm trying to get my clients to do. So a tofu scramble, you can make that and it'll last for four days. Just take it out of the fridge. You're good to go. Mm -hmm. And the tofu scrambles on your website? Is that? The, yep. Yeah, there is in, in my blog section. There's a, there's a recipe actually that was just put up recently. Sweet. And then the overnight oats, I'll tell you what I do. You can tell me, uh, all I do is take steel cut, organic steel cut oats, put them in a mason jar, in a glass mason jar. I cover it a little above. So maybe two to one liquid to oats. So I'll use unsweetened coconut milk and I'll put in a couple of tablespoons of chia seeds mm -hmm. and then that's it. Throw it in the fridge overnight and then it's good to go. Maybe I'll put in a, depends like I'll use it as a post-workout. So, and, and then I'll have like a protein shake with it, but I'll put in maybe some maple syrup to sweeten it up or a bunch of berries, you know, in it or, or something like that. That sounds awesome. And it takes you what, all of 30 seconds? Oh my God. It's so easy. And I've been doing it for my kids too. And, and my wife, she just went back to work. So she's like out, um, pretty quickly in the morning. So I'll just send her with it. And it's perfect. It is. And you know what? So it's something I've been thinking about with this is I imagine you don't encounter the whole low carb dilemma uh, with this type of eating. It's just not really that much of an option, is it? Yeah, that's a good point. It's possible, but it's really difficult on a plant-based diet. And, and, and I'm not working with people who are looking at weight loss as their main goal which is generally the realm where you find those low carb diets is if your main goal is to lose fat. I don't like calling it weight loss because you know, it's body weight, not the whole story, yeah. but um, yeah, I don't, I don't see it a lot just in the clients that I work with because they're mostly people who want to do strength training and yeah, there's physique benefits by default that you get from lifting heavy things regularly, but the, the main focus is not necessarily fat loss. Yeah. But yeah, it's super difficult to do on a totally vegan diet. I don't think it's necessary unless you have some kind of condition and a medical pro has told you otherwise. But I mean, that's a whole, whole other issue. 
No, totally. But I think it's, I think it's great because I don't know. I just think we get into some issues with the whole low carb thing and certainly for athletes. Like I just don't, that's not, should not, should not be a thing. Exactly. <laughs> a I agree. <laughs> Unless we're talking about maybe like a power lifter or something like that. But, but for any, any athletes that have any glycogen demands, it's like it's kind of silly. Yeah. Agreed. But that's cool though, because you know, a considerable percentage of your athlete's diet is made up of carbohydrate. Mm-hmm. They're still getting good results. I'm assuming some of them are still getting good physique related results. They're getting good strength results and they're getting good performance results. It's like, okay, it's okay to have, you know, protein, carbs, and fats, even if it's plant-based proteins and perform well, you know, and look good and not exactly. freak out about one specific macronutrient. Exactly. Well, that's really the whole approach is to not freak out about anything food related. That's not a good approach in general. It's not. It's not. So I think that if we can take some of your advice and implement more nutrient dense foods into our our diet daily in some seemingly easy to do ways, which you outline in your in your book and on your website, what's your what's your book called? Yeah, my my book is called Vegan Vitality. And so it's a cookbook with a ton of recipes. I think it's 104 or 105, but it's also the lifestyle side of things. So the recipes are all well and good, but what does that mean about your day-to-day life? How are you going to food prep? How are you going to go vegan in the first place? If that's something you want to do. So it's half lifestyle and half recipes. Awesome. Okay, cool. So where can people find out more about you, Karina? Best place is my website, karinainkster.com. And Karina is K-A-R-I-N-A. And I've got uh, the grocery list that I mentioned, so you can download that for free. It's 350 items if you need some inspiration or, I mean, don't print it off and go to the grocery store. This is more of a, hey, what are some cool foods I can try kind of thing. And um, in the blog section, you've got recipes. The tofu scramble we talked about is in there. And uh, yeah, you can just peruse and, and check out the resources. What are, what are a few of the favorite foods that you incorporate into your nutrition into your lifestyle that you think specifically um, would benefit most people that maybe they're not already doing that most people you see don't already do. Hmm, That's a good point. Well, I had no idea what tempeh was before I went vegan. Fermented soy, right? (laughs) It is. So it's less processed than tofu and it's higher in protein than tofu. I didn't even know what that was when I was vegetarian. I mean, now it's becoming more of a, more of a, a movement yeah, yeah. About about what it is, but tempeh is huge. So that's that's your best friend if you're trying to build muscle and and you care about your your protein intake and you're trying to hit that goal. But there's some more weird ones that I've been into lately, like lotus root. Oh, in, never heard in, of that. I know, right? In uh, Vietnamese curries, uh, mm. I eat a lot of foods that are not North American inspired, mm. and so there's it's kind of the whole idea still of trying new foods, things I haven't had before. Even though it's been 15 years, there's still tons of things I haven't tried yet, uh, which cool. I'm excited about. It keeps me interested. Okay, last question. So if you could only eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would that oh, meal look like? <laughs> That's the toughest question. Um, hmm, I think it would be a tie between two. So I'm thinking about either Indian food or Japanese food. I'm thinking I'm going to have to go with the probably the Indian food. So there's a really amazing restaurant here in Vancouver called East is East. It's actually fusion Afghan Indian. Okay. And um, there's this amazing 
spinach paneer, which is not normally vegan because paneer is dairy based, but they make a vegan version mm. and it's 100% amazing. And then I would have dark chocolate for dessert. So I don't know if I can combine those into one meal, but <laughs> no, for it, sure. it doesn't, but dark chocolate doesn't have dairy, right? It, nope. No, it doesn't. Sounds delicious. Hey, thank you so much for coming on the show, for sharing all of your knowledge and wisdom and passion and uh, appreciate everything that you're doing. And, and uh, I look forward to connecting with you again soon. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. We'll talk soon. Take Sounds care. Sounds good. See ya. So there you have it. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode with Karina Inkster. If you want to find any of the resources mentioned in this episode, you can find those links over in the show notes at bslnutrition.com forward slash episode four three. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review in iTunes so that we can help more people make smart nutrition simple. This episode was brought to you by BSL Nutrition and the Complete Essentials All-in-One Training Drink. If you've been looking for a comprehensive workout supplement that can help support great energy both in and around your workouts as well as reduce muscle soreness naturally without all the caffeine and artificial sweeteners, then head over to bslnutritionshop.com and type in podcast at checkout for 15% off your first purchase of either grape and or lemon lime.